podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey gang, great news. We have extended our partnership with the brilliant crew at collegefootballisland.com and the Aer Lingus College Football Classic this year. Notre Dame at Navy is the big game and me, Ben, Propo and more going to be out there for all the build-up. We're going to be recording pods. There's talk of a live show. We'll be at the game. We are super excited about it. We're going to be dropping special episodes of College Days here on the NC Show in the build-up to it. Lots of brilliant guests coming your way. If you haven't, if you didn't make it over last year, you've got to try and get out there this year or next year's game has been announced as well. So head on over to collegefootballisland.com. Find out more information from the website. We hope to see you out there. Mike, it's lovely to see you. And let's get the important stuff out of the way, straight off the bat. Happy birthday. <laughs> happy birthday, Rufus. It's Ru- the Rufus yeah, Ru- birthday weekend. Rufus birthday weekend. His birthday's actually tomorrow, but I'm going uh, to Ireland tomorrow for a couple of days. And um, so I, I celebrated with him today, um, nice. this morning. And what did you yeah, do? I, I, uh, I got him this room. What was it? Tur- duck and something <laughs> for breakfast, oh, and like a pate. Yeah, it sounded good to him too. And I put a I put a candle in the middle of it, so the dog is basically <laughs> creeping up on this candle, <laughs> and he's sticking his nose in and trying to lick it, and and he can feel the candle. So, Not sure, so he, he's creeping back. And then he, finally, he gave up and he just looked at me like, "What the what the hell is going on here?" So I, I blew out the candle. <laughs> he wouldn't blow out the candle. I blew it out for him, but oh, Rufus. Is 13 now. He's doing pretty oh, well. He's doing good. The little guy. What you could have done, of course, was hired Penny Morden to stand behind him for four hours with a big stick. The outfit. I mean, this is such a this is such a weird country. Penny Morden stands for two hours holding a sword, and now she's going to be the next prime yeah. minister. <laughs> <laughs> but her, her dress and outfit. Someone put up a, a, a great little meme. It, it's exactly the design, color, and and that kind of um, laurel laurel wreath kind of motif. That's mm. Poundlands. Poundlands, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, how how appropriate yeah. how appropriate is that? You know, it's it's like um, don't I won't even get st- I won't even get. No, we're not going to get you on that. It had like, a bit of a had a bit of a Jedi Council vibe to me. Uh, you know, you know, in some of the Star Wars. Some yeah. of the stars there where they have those that are going to kind of start to move towards Sith that you're not sure yet, but <laughs> yeah, she'd be on that, on that side of the camp. We think, but hey, look, well, let's not talk about let's not talk about politics straight off the bat. I do want to lead off because we've got a ton to get into. I Michael's the schedule released and the London games, Europe, European games announced as well. So we're obviously going to key in on those. We've got a lot of the mailbag to get into too, uh, and it's been a while since we've done that. So Iron Mike's <laughs> yeah. going to have a lot to say. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't you think Camilla's first thought when she got into oh, the, go. the the golden pumpkin lead, leaving leaving the service was man was, I could kill I would kill for a fag right now wanted a smoke or a shot of tequila presumably she might have done I mean they you know they got aircon in the um, just one more oh kudos yes to, kudos to Private Eye who, who did a little map which which of the uh, coronation seating mm. which was basically the northern hemisphere with with one of those red Google Maps things over Los Angeles. It said Meghan Markle, and then the other one was over London. It said everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> Private eyes still going strong after all these years. That is good to see. Speaking of still going strong, Dexter Lawrence getting paid. That's the one I want to lead off with. Uh, 
Incidentally, his official nickname, which I didn't realize, Sexy Dexy. <laughs> so, big, big Sexy Dexy. The clubs of New York are going to be That's, welcoming Dexy, I'm sure. Yeah, it, it's been an interesting conundrum for the Giants. And and I know, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I had a comment on it um, and w- was emailing back and forth. Their biggest decision this year... Jesus. A bit of Wendy Pop there, I might. <laughs> that was... <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't a mic pop. That was an iron mic pop. I have an iron mic with you pop. Yeah, the biggest decision for the Giants was how they were going to handle three guys. You know, the, the three guys whose contracts were up, who they most needed to to renew, which was Jones, obviously, a quarterback, uh, Barkley and Lawrence. Mm-hmm. And they decided to go with Daniel Jones. That They made that decision that they, you know, that Daniel Jones was going to be their quarterback which you can argue about as to, you know, how good is he? I just say, but on the other hand, looking at the quarterback market and what's out there and what you might get trapped into otherwise, you're not guaranteed anything necessarily better. So I understood, we said this at the time, I understood the deal and the deal is not a a bad one um, Mm -hmm. for either side. Most of the quarterback deals have been quite reasonable, you know, Guys got what they wanted. I want to be paid a dollar more than, you know, than Russell Wilson. I want to be paid a dollar more than, than, you know, um, Tyler Murray, whatever. But they were, they were as team friendly deals as they could be, you know, no, no one actually is going into long-term Hawk over these deals, barring injury. Um, And barring Cleveland. (laughs) And, and so anyway, so, so they franchise Barkley. Mm. And then they have to deal with Dexter Lawrence, and and they did. Now they trapped themselves a bit because Leonard Wilson has a big deal, and they needed to to give Lawrence, who's a better, more valuable player to them than than, than Williams, is a a bit a better deal on that. And um, Barkley obviously wants a long term deal, but with given his injury history and given running back. <laughs> Which ought to be like, you ought to just be able to say running back and that answers all your questions. You know, he's unlikely to get one and playing for the 10 million franchise tag is actually pretty good for him. I mean, there's only one or two running backs getting more than that, you know, right now. So I like that they took Carol Lawrence because I, I, I all year long last year I was saying how great he was playing, you know, and how he was really the the center of that defense, you know, and and everything that they did well. He had a blinder of a game in London. I mean, mm. you know, it it just jumped out sitting in the stands. It just jumped out at you, you know, how how well he was playing. So I, I like the fact that they took care of him. And yeah, the price is a bit high, but you know they're they're going to have to make money available elsewhere. You know, and and um, but a safe play. I, I completely agree. But, is it, but it's a, of, um, it is a safe play, and and people are saying, you know, well, what are they going to do? Um, what are they going to do? Like at, at wide receiver and all, um, you know. And I think though, I think like Buffalo, they're going to be content to get by. I, you know, I always put Brian Dable's work and and Sherman's work in Buffalo terms. You know, and I think they'll be. I think they're going to get by with what they've got at receiver. They don't have. Allen, obviously, a quarterback, but um, they have Barkley, which Buffalo never really had a Barkley while, yeah. while they were there. I mean, I guess you already hear that they've re-upped. If you look at the, the talent on paper, Waller, most notably, of course, in terms of, you know, in terms of options that, that Jones has, I guess they're hoping Slayton's going to stay fit. Um, yeah, it's one of the weaker, weaker cores in, in the league, but uh, year on year, it, there is an improvement and it they did okay last time out. What will happen ultimately with Saquon, do you think? 
let's just say actually just to just to kind of maybe frame that question a, a little bit more let's say he has another well that he has a big year he has a good top five delivery it stays fit he's a top five back what happens next in in those circumstances i think he goes to free agency well obviously he goes to free agency anyway so you know he's he's going to test the market whether he will get you know i i think teams will say it, it's it's a gamble you know it's it's it really is you know if he has two injury free years you know is there is there really a um is there really a better chance that he will have a third or a fourth because obviously if he goes to free agency he's going to want more than a one year deal um now the giants could try to preempt that by giving him a a, a longer deal now but with you know money up front guaranteed and and less money each season in real terms but i'm not sure that's going to work with him because i'm not sure i think the point he's he wants to make a point and that wouldn't make the point for him you know it would be you look at like what the packers did with love mm -hmm. and they eliminated the fifth year option problem by giving him an extension which if he plays well can total up to about what he would get a little bit more actually yeah from the fifth year option as it stands now, um, assuming he didn't make um, the Pro Bowl, because the, the way the fifth year option. To to, but the, yeah, I, so, you're right. I guess why Saquon would look at that and be pretty aggrieved because he's been there, done it, demonstrated it. Love, we don't know what yeah. he's got. Right, he hasn't done anything. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a terrible it's a terrible situation with a running back with injury history. You know, and yeah. you know you look at you look at someone like um, Frank Gore, you know, who slid in the draft because he'd had two ACLs at the University of Miami. Mm. And then went through his whole career, you know, major injury free, you know, Curtis Martin had had problems in college, you know, and went through his career, basically injury free. Yeah. So, but that doesn't seem to happen nowadays. I, I don't know whether it's that the guys are more overdeveloped or whether they're, you know, whether like being used less or, or less frequently, or I always blame artificial turf, but you know, I'm, um, that's it is not interesting. A it's a really interesting point. Frank Gore is still playing at the age of fifty-five. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> it, it's interesting that the the days of the I always go to Sean Alexander, don't I? Because I just he always kind of mm -hmm. resonates in my mind as the the prototype of the the NFL changing and hammered, 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 and then you're out of the league in in three years, MVP, and then out of the league in two years or whatever it was. The game has changed, and yet you're right. There are le less durable running backs seem less durable than ever, even though they're probably getting less usage than the, than they used to. On this, because we have got yeah, a Sean, Sean Sean was the the poster boy for the the three seventy rule that the Football right. Outsiders guys came up with. You know, three hundred and seventy carries in a season, and then your your next year is all, almost always um, a bust and injury, regression. Yeah, injury yeah, 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 yeah. Um, because we've got a ton. Of questions yeah, in at the MC show. I'm just going to pepper them in as as, as subjects come do. up. So Mark, there, were, there were some good ones. I was yeah, marking them and, up, but... and I'm really, really appreciative of your restraint. I'm like not answering all of them uh, on, <laughs> on not, Twitter as they came in. You did, you wanted to, you did, but not, not answering the whiskey question was no, a real tough the whiskey, one. The whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> we can end with that one. <laughs> we'll, we'll wrap with that one. Uh, I had to do a taste test. I had to do a taste test while I was. While that explains was... <laughs> a lot of the first 15 minutes of the show. The um. <laughs> Lots of you getting in touch, incidentally, off the back of Chris from National Vintage League was on the show earlier this week on Mike and uh, sparked a Twitter flurry because we put a shout out for retro much. So listeners at home, show us your retro right. much. And there's been some brilliant stuff on. If you go over to the NC show feed, we've liked retweeted pretty much all of them and it will bring back memories. So we're talking about uh, certainly for, for UK listeners of a certain vintage. We're talking about 
packs of, you know, playing cards with bubble gum that loses the flavor within seconds, we're talking about <laughs> little mini helmets. I mean, all kinds of great, loads of brilliant books as well. Um, nope, nobody sent a picture of me. I well, f- copies of first down are in there, Ryan, Mike. So you might be there's yeah. a good one. The um, the this was from Dave Gregson. Shout out to you, Dave. Uh, this is American football. The book's just called American football. Dave um, um, by Dave Thomas, it no, was by it? Andy Smith. This one, um, oh, the okay. introduction uh, by Dan Marino. So that got me interested. So I actually yeah. hopped on our our RNC show social our uh, Twitter feed and said introduced by Marino, epic. And then Dave posted the intro by Marino, um, which was just looking at it. I'd say five hundred words. Um, Five hundred words of greatness from the great man as well. Yeah, that's a mo- that's a that's a more a whole morning for the Miami PR. You reckon Marino really exactly? Yeah, sorry, <laughs> just scratched your back. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was Marino on the phone for four minutes. I'm sure, uh, but that was great. That was in the American football, the Channel Four book, the one Nicky Horn, of course, the the great Nicky. Yeah. Um, one of his Channel Four books as well. So anyway, loads of goodness. Go and uh, reminisce. A bit of I did. I did a Super Bowl with Nicky Horn on did the you? radio, and and while we we're doing the warm up, Nicky read this poem um, about football. You know, one of the one of these kind of old flowery 1930s kind of sports writer things yeah and, uh, so i burst into tears <laughs> he got real he got really <laughs> oh nick oh nicky oh, oh God, i, I can't believe change. it something's never changed it's like at the new york super bowl when i think you off the back of the halftime set when you were throwing down to me pitch side you came in uh, after Colin had asked you what you thought of Bruno Mars, you said, Bruno Mars is to music what Nat Coombs is to sports casting. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, that was a very good thing. <laughs> uh, that was a good line. I like that. I love it. I love you are You are an idiot. I'm going to find out yeah. Nikki, and, uh, Nikki and sympathize. We're going to sympathize with each other. Right, let's get to this question. Otherwise, we're not going to get to anything as usual. Mark, <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> hey, Mark, uh, well... Uh, well, because we were talking Saquon about five minutes ago. Where will Zeke Elliott eventually land, asked Mark? Uh, and which team would be a good fit? So speaking of very talented running backs that are a little bit banged up and maybe trending in the wrong direction, Zeke's still out there. Yeah, but Zeke, I mean, based on last year's play, Zeke's lost, seemed to have lost his his pop, his burst. Um, and Zeke's not a factor in the pass game the way that... Um, the way Saquon is, you know, you could, you could fit Saquon into a lot of teams. Um, I don't see a whole lot where, where there's like a gaping hole that Zeke, you know, Zeke could come in and fill. I think he's a backup, um, probably a backup grind type back, but I'm not sure there's enough there um, to lure anybody into giving him a, a, you know, a big contract. Um, And I don't think there's a starting spot for him for a prove it contract. You know, I could see him as sort of like a backup, signing in Minnesota um, mm-hmm. with Dalvin Cook when they let go of Dalvin Cook or, you know, as as they seem likely to uh, for cap raise, maybe in Buffalo. Um, you know, it's, uh, I don't know. I don't know how you would define his presence. Seattle, possibly, you know, because they always seem to get three running backs injured by, by October. <laughs> yeah, right. You know what I mean? That's the and his, that, he's got to wait and see. He's got to sit his age. That may be, yeah. For an injury and yeah, we'll drop you. That may his. be, that may be where he, where he, um, he winds up getting signed, you know, once somebody saw, has a big injury and they want to bring another back in. Yeah. Just to, just to join the dots then, are you surprised given everything we've just said about the way it goes for running backs these days 
at how quickly he has fallen off a cliff. Not really, because in my mind, Pollard has been their best running back or their better running back for probably the last three seasons. But they tagged him pretty well, didn't they? It wasn't certainly as if... the last two. It was a good. It was a good tag team while Zeke was still re reasonably effective as a yeah. you know as a power runner and and. But part of the thing was that Pollard was just giving them more on on all downs, you know, um, mm. and and then Zeke becomes too expensive to be the second back, you know, and and nowadays you also you can't really have a third down back because if you wait teams that wait till third down to go to the third down back get penalized for it um because you're making it easier for for defenses um you know and and part of the thing with third down backs is you were trying to get the defense to um you're you're always trying to get the defense to give you an advantage in terms of the personnel on the field mm. but nowadays you have to do that from the first down you know there's still too many teams that, that run the ball run the ball pass the ball um you know and and that's much too predictable um the bat patricia playbook i think that's called <laughs> i've got a copy of that city next let's time. call a what do you call a pass play <laughs> <laughs> all right let's talk nfl uh, NFL schedule and, and particularly start with uh, the international games, of course, and and in particular the games in Europe. So three in yeah. London, two in Germany, as we knew going to be the case. What we didn't know is that Jacksonville are going to play back-to-back -back games, all three of the London games in sequential weeks, right? So back-to-back -back -back right. games, two of the three, Jacksonville. So firstly, Atlanta, uh, that's at Wembley on the first, and the Jags play the Bills at Spurs on the eighth. The final game of the three is Baltimore, Tennessee, which is also... Uh, no, hang on. Baltimore Tennessee's at the that's at, at Spurs as well. At Spurs, the, Spurs. Yeah, which is, yeah, was yeah the second Spurs and third games were at, at Spurs. Yeah, first one at Wembley. So, first things first. Inevitable question, I guess. Now we know that Jacksonville, who've been a staple of this for the, the last ten years, are playing back to back games. What does this mean? Does it mean that they're one step closer to moving to London? That we're going to get a franchise? They're going to play more and more. We we had we had a question about that. Um, some someone asked which was more likely um a european division oh, you're absolutely right mike did so a team relocating to london or a european division being yeah. set up there you go yeah mike's also so yeah but also mike strangely thought. strangely enough the original world league idea was they were they were going to have the european division in america east and america west and an asian division that was like jim finks's big idea you know that that's how it was going to break they never happened obviously yeah. but but um i think there, there, there's two things to remember. A London franchise, I still think, is a ways off because the way we're working now is too profitable, um, and it makes sense. Uh, it, we've gone over this a number of times, but you know the way that London, the way the UK fandom breaks down and European fandom in, into a rainbow coalition of all the NFL teams. If you then focus them on one team, the existing fan base is going to have a, a reasonably hard time moving over to that team. Yeah. Whereas now, it, now every game is a festival, mm. so you're, you're you're almost guaranteed a better attendance. You know, if Jacksonville were London's team. And they went on a two day two game road trip at the start of the season. They opened with another loss. Now they're zero and three in their division. You know they come back from the second road trip and they're one and one and five five. All of a sudden the attendance starts to drop. You know it's it's the fans of the teams they're playing that that come out. Just so, on that, just quickly because uh, it's a really fair point and one you're right. We we talked about a lot, but 
thinking about it when you're talking about eight home games in terms of the regular season, right? Yeah. Uh, the so we're not talking about a Premier League team with three times that amount or a La Liga team with no, you know, yes. to fill. And then you also think about the money that it costs to go to games. And I'm seeing this firsthand with what happens at, at West Ham, even though West Ham has the second highest attendance in, in world football now, or certainly in the Premier League, um, behind Man United. Um, yet it is increasingly filled with corporates and expensive seats and <laughs> quite transient fans, essentially. Then you got Vegas as, uh, and I and, and disclaimer in uh, full transparency, I haven't been to a regular season game in Vegas, so I might be way off the market, but my gut feel is that, yes, of course, there's a core ready nation, but there's a lot, a lot of transient ephemeral fans because it's an event. So wouldn't, isn't the dial moving a little bit that the NFL might consider that more than they did 10 years ago? Because of what's happening, well, poss- quite possibly, um, and of course, Vegas is a bigger city than we re- realize. It's it's just grown exponentially in terms yeah. of permanent permanent population. Now, what 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 makes Jacksonville interesting is that their stadium is going to be rebuilt in twenty four and twenty five, mm. um, and they have various options. The ones the ones that are most commonly bandied about right now are playing in London for the season um, or playing in Orlando for the season. But the one that's most likely or more likely, I think most likely is to play at the university of Florida in in Gainesville, um, which, which I think is where they played the last time the season, what the the stadium was rebuilt, which was in the nineties, if I remember right. And I remember seeing the New York giants play the Yale bowl while, while, um, Yankee stadium, I think it was, was being rebuilt or Mm. whatever in the seventies. Um, so I think the answer will be that they'll wind up playing in London, two games, maybe three, um, three might be a stretch, but I'll get to that in just a second. Um, they'll play in Orlando a couple of games. Cause I think the NFL would eventually like to put a team in Orlando. Um, and they'll play at Florida, um, which is also interesting because, um, Jacksonville is where, the University of Florida and the University of Georgia play their game. It's it's a quote unquote neutral site, mm-hmm. um, even though it's in Florida. <laughs> but it's sort of like just in Florida. It, it's kind of the weird part of Florida. So actually, no, the, the Panhandle is the weird part of Florida. Now the swamps That's the weird part show. of Florida. Okay. No, my Palm Beach is the weird part of Florida. It's <laughs> all Florida's weird. Beach, anyway, so so I suspect they might wind up splitting their season between between locations. Um, and they'll use Gainesville, um, which is a huge, it's like 90,000 seat stadium. Right. The, so they could play, you know, they could play two home games in London, two in Orlando and, and um, four in Gainesville or three in, you know, three in Orlando. And they'll, cause they'll have nine, one year and um, nine home games, one year and eight, the net eight, the next. I, that's, I think the most likely scenario to me. Um, I don't know if they're going to be ready to put Jacksonville into um into the sea into a season out of London uh even though it makes you know the the AFC South makes a certain amount of sense in terms of convenience not as much as the AFC North would but you're not going to get those teams out of out of their locations yeah now um the the interesting thing is that the NFL schedule just to jump ahead and we we should we should stick with Europe but but just to jump ahead for a second the biggest thing to me about the NFL schedule is 
how irregular it is. There are no, there's no cases of teams playing home away, home away, home away. There are teams with huge runs of home games, or you know, Miami being one of them. They have four home games in the last five weeks of the season. Yeah, which in Miami terms is a huge advantage for them because you're playing in hot weather in Florida, and most of the teams they're playing will not be coming out of hot weather environments for those games. And, you know, we've seen year after year how the Patriots die in, in Miami in December. Um, so they've the, got, well, yeah, they've got, so they've got the Ravens week 17 in Baltimore, but outside of that, yeah, they've got it's right, Tennessee, so the, Port, the Jets, yeah, Dallas, the Jets, and Buffalo. Dallas and and obviously Dallas, it's not a question mark, but, but the Jets in Buffalo in particular, it's a big yeah. advantage. For yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but you look, you know, you look around the league schedule and it's not always that much, but you, you have, four out of five games a lot, either at home or on the road. Mm-hmm. And and that's, that's, that's a big thing. Um, but that's harder to do. Well, it's easier to do actually, if you're Jacksonville, you come over and you play four games on the trot in the U S and then you come back and you play, you know, four games on the trot in, in the UK. And then mm-hmm. that's, you know, that's half of your home games are taken care of already. So that, that's possible. I I like the Jacksonville Buffalo game because it's easy to promote Trevor Lawrence against Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know <laughs> because he's balling. Trevor Lawrence is balling. He's my man. He's balling, and you know that that covers it for your preview of that game. Yeah, and, and just we'll um, clip that up. Actually, just drop that in a few months' time. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and Atlanta Jacksonville, you could bill as the Calvin Ridley Bowl. I mean, I'll give you four to one. It's the Calvin Ridley Bowl. Oh, I love them. Um, um, I'm big on them. Really excited about the Falcons. In fact, that was a question that came up on uh, on our show on Monday with uh, the aforementioned Chris from uh, yeah. from National Vintage League. Surprise team of the season or most improved team. And I think I think the Falcons might be in the mix there. I really like what they've done. And in well, particular, the weapons they've added. Desmond yeah, Ritter's I mean, obviously the big question. But what do you think about what, the what they've added in in drafting Bijan Robinson? Love it. I, I said after the draft, it makes a certain amount of sense because they want to be a run first team, the right. way Tennessee is, um, which is you know Arthur Smith's offense is is predicated on that. So now now they've got three running backs: um, allergy, um, <laughs> corduroy. Allergy corduroy and, and BJ and Robinson. Um, so they can be that running team and they they want big receivers, and that's what they've got. Big, tall receivers. Yeah. They brought in Mac Hollins, yeah. you know, who nobody thinks is is like, oh, Mac Hollins, but in the system in that system, he's going oh, to yeah, and Mac you know, Hollins is sneaky underrated Mac Hollins. Oh, yeah. 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 He he's going he's going to be okay. Now the offensive line, I think, is still problematic. You know, they used the draft for it um with Bergeron, but I'm not sure that that you know what. And defensively, they brought in um, they actually their offensive coordinator is Dave Ragone, who played in NFL Europe for Berlin. Um, they brought in Ryan Nielsen from New Orleans, and they brought in David Onyemata from New Orleans and Caden Ellis from New Orleans. Yeah, and they they signed Jesse Bates and they signed Love Calais Campbell. Yeah, Campbell Jesse Bates is really good, and Calais Campbell. Yeah, Calais Campbell is really good, but he's 36 years old, so you don't know how much gas is left in the tank. But wow. he was good in Baltimore last year. So I'm trending front yeah. goal for Calais Campbell. They got a, a Jeff Akuda I like as well, and I won't repeat it. It's over on the Chris, the show with Chris. But I just think it's great upside there. Everyone's written him off. He's a bust. Uh, it's upside. AJ it, it's an upside signing. Yeah, um, you know, if he if he pans out, then then that that's like great. It. You know, they they have the first <laughs> they have the first two quarters taken in the draft. <laughs> but um yeah. so yeah, I, I think that you know 
you look at them and you look at New Orleans t- style defense and you look at um, Tennessee style offense and the, the kind of thing that that's the similarity between them is keep it simple. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not they're not going to they're not going to, you know, fool you in lots of ways. Uh, speaking of which, Tennessee, uh, the other team, one of the other teams that's picked up again, keeping it simple, speaking of which, Tennessee in the third game against Baltimore. Tennessee, ooh, is Vrabel in trouble, Mike? We love Vrabel. Is he a coach that could be in trouble? Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. Um, because you can, you can point to various things, creating, creating problems for them. Now, you know, he's lucky in the sense that that is still a weak, or shall we say unsettled division. Yeah. I mean, you tell me right now who's going to win that division and, and you can't, I mean, both the South, see, the NFC South isn't all that much better in terms of like trying to predict who's going to win. Everybody's sort of at a, at a state stat status level, you know, or a stasis level, I should say, you know, we're not, so, um, but they've had, a, you know, they've always sort, sort of overachieved and, and, and they fired the general manager year before last, you know, so obviously that's where the blame was falling, but you could, you could really argue they were giving Vrabel what he, what he wanted, you know, trying to get him what he wanted. And this year, you know, to me, the, the key to that team is Traylon Burks. Um, they need a, a go-to receiver. Um, you know, they, they don't really have one. Um, whereas Atlanta, you know, have Kyle Pitts um, yeah, Drake, you know, and, John, and John O. Smith is down there now, you know, who Juju's maybe well. goes yeah. back, goes back to his, you know, better performance playing in, in the Tennessee system. They did a good job with their offensive line. I love Peter Skaronsky, not least because his grandfather, Bob, when he played for the Packers comes from my part of Connecticut, you know, local legend as it were. And, and one of the more um, underrated linemen of the sixties, you know, Forrest Gregg got all the attention, but Skaronsky was the, was the actual captain of the the Packers um, offense. And Baltimore, I think is going to be really fascinating um, because Lamar's back. And I think I started to say at one point, you know, I never doubted Lamar would be back every, you know, mm-hmm. you looked at the, you look at, you look at uh, Harbaugh's face when they were doing, you know, he was so relieved, you know, all of this, this business, you know, could have been taken care of, um, should have been taken care of. And I think maybe it's simply because he doesn't have an agent that it didn't get taken care of. Yeah. Um, but he's back. So they, they can do what they want there. Um, they have Odell Beckham, um, you know, they drafted Zay Flowers, now the big question is: Is Flowers another guy who's going to be? Is he an over-the-middle receiver? Is you know he's not Steve Smith, obviously, but um, some people say he's only an outside guy, even though he's small and quick. But I think I think they were going they're going to do for with him what they wanted to do with James Proche. Say and Proche wasn't quite good enough, but he was a sixth-round draft pick, you know, and and use him over the middle because. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got two tight ends, but you really want someone who's who's got that yards after the catch, uh, game breaking kind of thing in the middle. And and if they can sort that out now, if he winds up being an outside receiver who can produce, 
And if Bateman can come back and be a tall target like, like Tennessee and Atlanta have, you know, if he can do that, they'll, they'll, they'll not be bad. The guy I really like watching, and Odell is yeah. still you know, around. I don't. I think that's kind of over overrated um, in terms of the effect on the on the team. I think it's maybe a short term thing. But well, you, but, I, I I think it's the opposite. I think it's even though I know he was a lot of money. I think it's a really smart. Pick. If we're talking about upside pickup, I think it's really smart because yeah, again. Again, it, it's up. Yeah, he's ready, ready and rested. If he's back from an injury, I mean, yeah, yeah. it's not like he's been sitting out. He's come off coming off yeah. a knee injury. Sure, you know, if they can use him the way he was used by the Rams, you know, which was double threat. You know, mm-hmm. you going across the middle and being a deep, an additional deep threat who caught you by surprise. That's great. The guy I'm really looking to see what he happens with in that game is Isaiah Likely, mm-hmm. who I think has a lot of upside as a tight end, and and with he and with him and Andrews. Um, you know, two tight end offense. Now, if you're running two tight end with two effective tight ends, you only need two two receivers sure, and, yeah. on, any, on any given play. So you can you can move things around that way. And and um, you know, you'll see Atlanta taking advantage of those kind of things by by using Pitts in effect as a wide receiver when they run two tight ends. You know, he'll be the slot receiver, or he he may even spread out. You know, and and run two on the other side. So I think that Baltimore Tennessee game is a really is a really good one, and coming when it does is, is probably a good time to see how how both teams have adjusted to the season and. Uh, and you know, Jacksonville Buffalo. That's it's too tough. It, Atlanta. Atlanta could be a tough game for them. It'll, it'll, and then you got Buffalo <clears throat> coming, coming up um, with Allen, who's always a, a problem defensively, creates problems for you. But I'm not sure Buffalo is going to be that much improved over last season, and and the problem last season that manifested itself by Allen sort of underperforming um, offensively, um, a bit below the, the standard. So I'm, that's that's another you know, curious point uh, to keep yeah. an eye on. I'm really fascinated by the East. I think a lot of people are. I think it is demonstrably going to be one of the the tougher divisions in, oh, in yeah. the league. And yeah, I think people are sleeping a bit on, on the Patriots. I think year on year, well, they're, they're, well, yeah, year we'll, year they're stronger, we'll, right? We'll see. Yeah. The, the problem with the Patriots this season is going to be probably that they open with a really tough schedule. And, yeah, and September's... September's traditionally their worst month of the year. You know, they great they're sort of yeah. trying to figure out what works. Yeah, um, that is a great point. A lot of the East actually, because the, the NFL, because the schedule came out overnight at UK time, so we're just getting our head around it a little bit. The NFL dot uh, com ranked one of their journals ranked the top ten hardest schedules, and what jumped out at me straight off the bat was that three of the AFC East teams were in there, or maybe even all four. Thinking about it, but certainly. The in terms of I can't see Miami being in there because, like I said, that that last they end they end the season with a really good a good run up Um, run. But I'll tell you what, I just the Pats open with the Eagles and Dolphins, and then the Jets and Dallas, and obviously because the AFC East teams that you know that they've got a lot of upside. That new quarterback at the Jets, you know, that was that's a real upside move. um, Yeah, if he pan if he pans out, um, that guy number eight. Oh, yeah, it rings a bell. Um, I think I've heard a bit about him in the offseason. Hey, listen, this is uh, Eric Edholm was the journo. Um, okay, he's got the Patriots with the toughest schedule. Um, that's where he's ranked them at. I'm just seeing who else in the East he's got in there. So he's got the Bills at five, the Jets at seven, yeah. and he's got the Finns yeah. at eight. This is his argument. Okay. Uh, they'll be away. Okay, so I guess if we're looking at topping and tailing, extending your point earlier, the Dolphins are away or on the road for three of the first four weeks, right? So, right. and that okay. includes games against the Chargers and the Pats. 
Um, so I guess your point, maybe not necessarily traditionally sluggish starters like the Patriots are, relatively speaking, but if you get yourself in a bit of a bind early on, you're one and three and the pressure's on, of course, that that kind of adds to the adds to the fun. So yeah. then saying they've got the Bills, the Eagles, the Jets, the Ravens. They're, of course, one of the teams playing in Germany against the Chiefs. Tough gig. Uh, that's that's a really I mean, that that's you know, that's well, again, that's a promotable game. It's Tyreek Hill Bowl. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah, that, that's yeah. that's the easy, easy way to promote that. But yeah. um, the standout yeah, game of the five, do you think? Um, on paper, sure. Yeah. Uh, but partly because we want to see how good Miami is, you know, and, and mm. you know, I was predicting from the time they picked up Vic Fangio that it was going to be a, you know, good. And, and Fangio knows the Chiefs well because sure. he was at Denver. The, the West, yeah. um, and um, Kansas City just just signed um, Donovan Smith. Uh, to play tackle, which is interesting because they signed Juwan Taylor to play yeah, tackle, but Taylor's been primarily a right tackle, and yeah. and Smith is is played left in Tampa. So, um, well, it'd be interesting to see how that line that line shakes out, and and we don't really know how the Chiefs are going. It's it's a mini rebuild, you know. It's it's they've done a nice job potentially of papering the cracks of what they were going to lose in free agency. And of course they've got Patrick Mahomes. So, um, you know, he's easy to promote because he's the best quarterback in the league. And if the tackles work out, that offensive line could be really good. You sure. know, they're um, the inside three is, is strong. And defensively, I think they got better, um, you know, in, in the draft and, and um, they signed um Omen Omenenu from the Niners. The Niners yeah. have lost a lot. Um, you know, and looking at their schedule, I mean it's too early to kind of start going, but they're they're under 11 and a half right now. And I would go under on that one. Um they've got a couple of moments where they play teams under, on the, the road. under the Chiefs 11 and a half. No, the 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 Niners. Oh, the Niners, sorry. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um Phillies only 10 and a half. So I go, I go over on that, even though they've got a tough run in the second half of the season, I think, but I think they're going to get a lot of, they're going to get enough wins in the first half to, um, to uh, make it easier for them to, to go over, over that in the second Pittsburgh's eight, five. And I think Pittsburgh is probably a good bet. I like the fact that the NFL ended the season with Pittsburgh, Baltimore for the, you know, 20th year in a row, because it's always, a, it's always a great, great way, great way to um, end it. And um, speaking the, of tradition, the, the last guess, game, the last yeah. game is, let's just get rid of it. Indian New New England, oh, which is Peyton, Man, Peyton, yeah. Peyton Manning and um, Tom Brady, which is great, you know. Yeah, I know. And, I mean, um, it'd be holographic. <laughs> but, you know, last year, think about the Patriots last year. What was the one game they lost that they should have won? And they actually got blown out on, I think it was on Monday night football, maybe Sunday night. Um, and they got blown out by a team they should have beaten at home. And that really killed their season to, in my the mind. And that shot, was the yeah. Bears. Yeah. That 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 was Justin Fields' best game of the season. Yeah, of course. He, yeah, he yeah. ran crazy through them. So mm. it could be that by November, Richardson is starting for Indy. And the question will be, well, will the Patriots have adjusted to that kind of a game? You know, is when they when they um when they drafted um Mapo in the uh third round, that the big safety from Sacramento state and all, all the draft Knicks went berserk, you know, um, mm -hmm. you know, um, but, but I see that's kind of like where I can see the Patriots 
playing like three, three or four safeties mm. on, on some downs in games when they're playing quarterbacks like that. They've got Josh Allen, obviously, twice a year. Um, yeah. So so that that's going to be part of the it's part of the the adjustment. So I think that's it could be different by November. If there if there's a game that, that could turn out to you know look like a stinker by gay on game day. It could be the Indy New England game, you know, mm. but but it could also be a really interesting one. And and I'll give a big shout out to Frankfurt and the Wald Stadium. You know, they all those years with NFL Europe and the Galaxy, they always were getting great crowds. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. they you know, they without the costs of the league, the the player cost of the league, they they were breaking even at the gate in that mm-hmm. sense. They were they were profitable. The power parties originated with them, um, you know, great great crowd management you know they they were legit getting over 30,000 for most of the time in the reborn in the reborn league and it was a fantastic place to the old wall stadium they've rebuilt it now but it was a fantastic place to to see a game um, you know big shout out to the frankfurt fans i love them um and uh you know i think after munich last year this could really be convincing the nfl that it's worth considering you know giving more more airtime to to germany as well you, uh, it's interesting you say that that i'm hearing quite a few whispers and one or two really interesting bits can't really get into on the show but in terms of the nfl essentially saying uk set we're going to put more money and time and attention into germany and that'll just continue to happen over over the coming years. not that they're going to retract from the uk but yeah it's not i I I think that i think that's a fair you know the the thing with with the uk is they've got the office working you know the games are clockwork now they've they've been doing it for so long you know they've got the the staff and everything knows knows how to do it so i think i think um the aim will probably be to establish enough in germany so an, a full-time office there makes sense marketing and all, all that way and try to put the game into a position media wise and marketing wise that it is here mm-hmm. um because that's what drives the nfl make make no mistake about it mm-hmm. um you know um is the is the the money line and that's what the season's all about you know the biggest takeaway from the schedule apart from the one i've already already mentioned you know is is they're going to be playing on friday um which now means that there'll be games on um saturday friday saturday sunday monday yeah thursday yeah so yeah inevitable um, after you know after the covid impact or the impact of COVID and the schedule that was inevitable that they were going to do that. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, you can argue Black Friday is um, a one-off kind of thing the way Thanksgiving is, but Thanksgiving turned into a regular Thursday night game. And, uh, you know, and the only thing right now that's standing in the way of Fridays being regular is the same thing that stands in the way of Saturdays being regular. The, you know, it's, it's part of their antitrust deal is that they don't impinge on college and high school football. Right. And um on the friday after thanksgiving there are a number of big college games that weekend i think if i if i remember right texas texas a&m is going to be on that on that weekend um you know so so we'll see we'll see how that how that goes um but you know christmas has turned into a triple header yep um with good games. I mean, Baltimore, San Francisco, especially, but, you know, Philly giants is always a good one because they're two of the, two of the four biggest TV markets in the country. So, 
Um, and was it is that a direct hit at the NBA? Do you think is the NBA were kind of owning that Christmas Day space? I think they realized that there's nothing prohibiting people from watching sports on Christmas Day, so they might as well move in on that. I mean, football's traditionally the only thing on Christmas was the blue gray uh, All Star game, the college uh, one of the college All Star games, which is long gone. Mm. Um, the format is kind of embarrassing now, which was, you know, the Confederate States against the, um, the Union States. And, you know, yeah, I mean, long gone. Okay. yeah, nowadays you'd have to kind of like revise the Confederacy and add some of the some of the uh, MAGA states in the in the West, you know, to the but it wouldn't help the the imbalance. Um, you know, but the three games on Thanksgiving, nobody seems to you know, I don't see people getting shot over you know, husbands leaving the table to watch Washington play Dallas, um, mm. you know, in, in the middle of Thanksgiving dinner. Mm. Um, the and they've done, they've done a pretty good, the, the weirdest, the, the other weirdest thing to me, because they, you know, they've set up pretty good kind of um, matchup. You know, the for opening game, Kansas City, Detroit doesn't, it's not sexy, but it's actually a really interesting matchup. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that it's a really good Thursday night game. And um but the one it, that yeah, I think it, I, I take your point. I mean, I know there could be more I, I guess a more marquee opponent for Kansas City, but the Lions are gonna that's be they've got a lot of the neutrals behind them. It's just a good news story, aren't they? And willing them on. And they're you know, they're they've got explosive power. So it could be uh yeah. I guess they're hoping it's gonna be a bit of a shootout. Yeah, I, I think that's that's part of the uh, part of the of the magic. Because of course, you know, the Lions will be playing on Thanksgiving um right. against the Packers, which which is great because it's traditional. Um and traditional in my mind goes back to my childhood, not yours. Um, <laughs> so in my mind Dallas shouldn't be traditional, but okay, I'll give them two games, you know, and then the, the night game that that's okay. The weirdest thing to me is on Christmas Eve, Cleveland's playing Houston. But it's not in prime time, which says to me the NFL's more worried about promoting Deshaun Watson's return yeah, to, sure. to Houston I, than than in promoting in promoting what game. is obviously going to be a big story for everybody else. Yeah. Well, that, that um, takes us nicely because we're going to rapid fire through the mailbag. Uh, I might okay. get into as many as we can. That takes us nicely to this one from Jamie. Following all the hoopla and with Lamar returning, as we've obviously just been talking about, how many wins? Will the AFC North winner have? Who's taken the North and how many wins? Ten and a half over under, he's added uh, on that. So who's your favorite Baltimore? Favorite for the North? Cincy? Tough call. Where are you? I think Cincy's got to be the favorite. Depleted, um, though, aren't they? I mean, de- as we mentioned, Jesse Bates, I mean, defensively, they've taken a few hits. In some in some ways. Um it it I I think. I think 11, 11 probably wins it. I, I was looking at the schedule and thinking Pittsburgh is eight and a half on the over-under, and I might even go over on Pittsburgh. But the problem, of course, in a division is you've got Cincinnati, you've got Baltimore, you've got Pittsburgh. Um, you know, can you go over on all of them? And, you know, mm. can, will Cleveland actually be a whipping boy? Or, you know, or will will Deshaun Watson revert to his pre-injury, pre-criminality kind of form? Um, what do you feel and, there with, yeah, so with Deshaun Watson for, uh, you know, for obviously how most of us feel about him as a, as a human being, as a player, what do you feel? Deshaun is, Watson was a, you know, oh, a hell a of a great, player, hell of a player, uh, a great this player, year, what do you, think's gonna you know, even coming off, you know, remember he had a bad injury in, yeah. in his rookie season. Well, 
last year I didn't see it, but last year he came in late in the season. He ended the practice from the from the start. He he could be a he could be a real threat in that division. And the way things depends on how Stefanski wants to run his offense. To me, a lot because what you would expect now is is you know do you Mike? I always thought Bill O'Brien overreacted to the injury and tried to keep Deshaun in the pocket. Right. You know, specifically, I think they worked on that a lot. When you watched it, you could almost see his feet start to move and then stop because he knew he was supposed to be in the pocket. I think you've got to open him up to get to get the best out of him, you know, and, and that opens him up to to injury as well. But I'm not sure they've got the supporting cast to, you know, to to make it all work. They always look better on paper defensively than they turn out to be. Um, they've got the good offensive line, you know, they've got the running backs. Um, so, you know, do they have the receivers? Um, you know, it's, it's hit and miss. So, you know, I still pick, pick them as fourth, um, mm-hmm. probably go with the Bengals um, at the top. Although my, you know, I, I just admire the way Baltimore keeps its consistency, um, you know, but we discussed Baltimore already. So the, the, the strengths and weaknesses there. Yeah. I also know okay. you had somebody sent in a nice thing about Black Friday and, and have, you know, would the Raiders always be playing on, well, speaking of tradition, on Black, yeah, yeah. Black Actually, Friday? Because Jawhead, Jawhead wrote that. And so this is what he this is what he said. Uh, the Cowboys and the Lions, as, as we've just been talking about, after Thanksgiving tradition. How about a new tradition? Black Friday games rotated between the Raiders and the Steelers. The Raiders have the black hole. They even have a black stadium. Mike, hit up your boy, Kamish Rogi. <laughs> Raj, my man. And make um, it a thing. Yeah, I mean, it makes a certain amount of sense. Although you could, if you were, you know, really, you could put Baltimore and Pittsburgh in that game every year because Baltimore play black as well. Right. right Ravens, right. Ravens are black. You know, so that could be like the black ball. I'll take, I'll take that. Um, like, I like and that. it would all, it would always be a, a really good game, you know, because it's such a, it's such a good rivalry. The Raiders would be getting, you know, obviously the case for the black holes, uh, you know, having a home game on black Friday is, um, is good. Uh, but the other thing is, you know, I, I dislike Dallas always being at home on Thanksgiving, um, you know, and Detroit as well, but I just, you know, I dislike Dallas more. Well, you just think, just like Dallas you know, so I think here. a game where you had two teams who knew they every year they were going to be playing on Thanksgiving and it, and it alternated home games each year would would be fair. Okay, here's a fun one from James. The most overrated storyline of the offseason so far. And he said, mine is that you can't trust Levis because he puts mayo in his coffee. <laughs> he puts mayo in his coffee? Mayo. Who happens? does that? Well, I'm Mike, you're not, a, you're not a pineapple on pizza guy, as we've established many times over the years. Uh, mayo and coffee versus pineapple and pizza. Mayo and coffee Which sounds... I think even worse, right? Sounds worse, yeah. It sounds even worse. Well, I think I mean, even I, worse. I'm a, I'm a Hawaiian kind of kid. I could be yeah. wrong. You know, so what, apparently, what, 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 well, does he put peanut butter in it? Okay, so apparently uh, adding mayo to your coffee will add a significant amount of calories, sodium, and fat to your diet. Oh, no shit. No shit. It's uh, not considered <laughs> a healthy addition to your morning cup. What is this website? <laughs> this is like that website, AZ Central, that me and Propo talk about, where it says, Patrick Mahomes is a great quarterback. <laughs> just when they're picking games the chiefs have a, a white hot offense oh great okay that's thanks for that insight um well yeah so what is your uh, most overhyped overhyped storyline of the oh god there's so many of them it's i try to ignore them you know as they get hyped um mm-hmm. we talked about lamar lamar jackson 
Um, probably Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I think it was. I mean, right? it's hard. I mean, because you've got like nine different storylines. You can, I the one I like now, or the one I would promote now would be Aaron. Is Aaron Rodgers Brett Favre too? <laughs> are, are we just a few minutes away from dick pics? You know? <laughs> or, or has Aaron Rodgers been replaced by an Elon Musk, Aaron Rodgers clone? Elon Musk created Aaron Rodgers clone, and that's where he went. AI, whole, yeah, where he went, AI, AI, AI Rodgers. Rodgers. And maybe yeah. that's what's happened. And, and it's Musk that's just pissing about, saying, "Hey, yeah. sign Randall Cobb." Yeah, I'm waiting. I'm <laughs> sorry. Why don't you call up Pat McAfee and go and put that to? Because I, you know, yeah. I, then McAfee would say, "Look, you can't spell Aaron without AI." <laughs> all right let's do a couple more uh well actually you know what we'll do one more football and then we'll uh we'll wrap on the one you wanted to wrap on yeah this is from adam who is this year's jags seems like a few candidates to go from nowhere to the playoffs so which team do you think is gonna to i guess to, to frame that question i mean nowhere team last year that yeah no nowhere is kind of tough i think yeah tough okay know, non-playoff team to playoff team it's easy to say the Lions, yeah. Um, you know who 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 seem to be improving. Um, I wonder if the Packers might well be able to sneak in in that division. Um, even with, I mean, you know, at this point, it's hard to say, obviously, because you don't know how well Love is going to play. Um, but in that division, yeah, the Lions right now to me are favorites. Yeah, and. I suspect the Vikings are going to regress. Um, yeah, I agree. This, it's, it's, this it's year, so I think there's that. an opening. There's an opening there. Um, it's a real imbalance when you could break it down, right? In terms of yeah, really tough divisions, and then a lot of vanilla divisions just offset. Like they, you know, you mentioned we talked about the AFC East. The NFC East is obviously going to be particularly strong. The West, the AFC West, was will maybe not as hyped as it was last season, but will be of course strong as well. And then you've got. Divisions like the AFC South and the NFC yeah. North. I mean, Denver to me seemed like a, you know, if, if, if you were going to choose, if you were going to choose in that division, who's going to yeah. you know, step up and make the play? I would say Denver ahead of San, San uh, of Los Angeles and um, yeah. and Vegas. Um, Seattle could. Yeah. I, one funny thing, I was looking at the Rams over under on wins is seven and a half, mm. and I've got a niggling feeling that the Rams could be better than that. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard to say why when you actually look at the roster. Yeah. You know, and maybe I'm giving um McVeigh too much credit as a coach, but but I wonder if the Rams, you know, could wind up being being challengers in that. Yeah. I, I'd like to say the Patriots, but my my gut feeling is they're around a five hundred team yeah. anyway. Yeah. You know, and, and so does that maybe, yeah. maybe not, you know. Is that particularly in that in that division? All right, yeah. Jim Gibson. And, is the man? Yeah, one. Oh, go on, my God. Oh no, go ahead. We'll do that. All right. We'll so you hold that, hold that, hold that thought. Jim Gibson is the man who sent in your favorite tweet out of all of the great tweets we have had. Uh, what is the great man's favorite scotch and his favorite bourbon? And what is better for watching football with? <laughs> <laughs> I tend to, if I'm drinking while I watch football, um, <laughs> after the, the like the mealtime drink, but late, it, it actually I drink a lot of Aquavit. Um, mm. and my favorite Aquavits are, um, 
uh, Fader from Sweden, which isn't actually technically an aquavit. It's it's only called Ren Brenvin. Um, and uh, Gamo Uplans from Norway, which is really, uh, Flader is very smooth and, and subtle, and Gamo Uplans is like really well-flavored aquavit. Bourbon, um, the one I drink the most is um, Wood Woodford Reserve, which is easily available here. Mm -hmm. But I, I had taste of, uh, what was it called? It was Maker's Mark 46 or something um, at Majestic. And then they were sold out of it, but they had a bottle for taste. And it's kind of like a rum, rum-ish bourbon. If you can imagine a sort of slightly sweeter and thicker consistency. Mm. Um, and that was very, very interesting. I drink a lot of rum now, um, <laughs> pre, but pre I don't have, a don't have a favorite. Um, and I don't drink scotch. Strangely enough, I've tried over the years yeah, and I've never guy. had a favorite scotch whiskey. I, I find... I just find it harder to drink. I drink Irish whiskey mm. and uh, there's all these new brands coming up, which are quite good. Slane is, is quite good. Um, um, what's it, what's the other one? Teb, um, Tebbit, not Tebbit's, um, Teeling. Teeling is, is quite good, but normally I sort of stick with the old Jameson's, which has got me through, well, Many more a, years than I more years than I care to remember. And my, <laughs> my, my uncle had an anniversary party when I was, I was getting on the train to go up to Montreal. So I'm about 25 at the time. And the next time I'm like talking to my father, my father's saying, yeah, we, so it was a great party, wasn't it? I said, yeah. And my father said, yeah, Jack's going crazy because he can't figure out who drank a whole bottle of Irish whiskey. <laughs> he said, you know, they, in the bar was billing them by the, you know, he said, and then it was like one bottle was completely gone. I, who, who drinks Irish whiskey in our family? And I'm like, hmm. <laughs> Mike says, holds the book up to cover his face. <laughs> I said, yeah, that was a... Very comfortable train ride yeah. from New Haven to Montreal. I've I like stepped most chat. of the way. This is uh, this is getting yeah. quite Ask Mike-ish. I wonder if we should bring back Ask Mike for, for Ask Mike was always fun. Right. Yeah. One one last thing. I, I just want to give a shout out to Joe Cap, who died yeah. aged 85, um, suffering from dementia, which is not surprising because Joe Cap, if you don't know, was the quarterback of the Vikings when they went to the Super Bowl and Super Bowl four when they lost to the Chiefs. Um and he was um, part Mexican-American. His mother was a Mexican-American. Um, he grew up in, in California. He was born in Santa Fe, but grew up in California. Someone asked him once why he didn't run for the sidelines like most quarterbacks did. He said, sidelines are for gringos. <laughs> <laughs> he was a big guy. He, wow. he was a great college quarterback at Cal. Took Cal to the Rose Bowl the last time they've ever been to the Rose Bowl. And that was like 1958, I think in the he played basketball at cal as well um he went to the cfl he was drafted by the redskins in round 18 of the draft and never heard from them <laughs> they never called him you know there was none of that you know calling at home to see if you're gonna go they didn't call him before they didn't call him during they didn't call him after was dan so snyder the owner back then as well <laughs> they so he signed in calgary with mm. where jim finks was the general manager i mentioned finks in terms of and um um, they went to the playoffs. He was at four to four one trade with the BC Lions, and three of the four players involved in the trade, um, no, sorry, just two, went to the um, uh, Hall of Fame in Canada. He won the Grey Cup, mm. and then he decided to come back to the States in the mid 60s. And some AFL teams were chasing him, but Finks by then was the GM of the Vikings, and the Vikings had traded Fran Car Tarkenton to the Giants. So he worked out a trade 
they had a guy called Jim Young, who was a Canadian running back out of um, Queen's University in Kingston. And he wanted to go back to Canada. He wasn't playing really enough um, to do that. And Washington held the rights to uh, Joe Cap. And Bud Grant was the coach of the Vikings by now. And Grant had coached Winnipeg for Grey Cups, I think. So he knew Cap well, and he wanted Cap. So what they did was Cap got waived through the CFL. They got Young waived through the NFL, although apparently the Saints figured out what was going on and tried to stop it, but they talked them out of that. And the Vikings got the rights from Washington to Joe Cap. And so they traded Young for Joe Cap. Uh, sorry, they, they traded Joe Cap um, to BC, who had who had his rights. And BC traded uh, the rights for Jim Young. B, BC traded for Jim Young. Um, and so it was a three-way trade with two CFL teams and an NFL team. And you you couldn't do that anymore. No, I mean, so Cap, so Cap, you know, becomes successful, and and three of the players in that are all in the in the um, CFL Hall of Fame. The Vikings were better his first year. They went to the playoffs the next year. You know, then they then they um, lost to Kansas City, and then the next year they go to the Super Bowl, and then then he um, plays out his option. Very unusual in those days. He didn't sign his new contract. Mm. And then he signs with the Patriots, which was a bad mistake. They, so they, they trade for him. And then the next year, um, the NFL and the Patriots demanded he sign an option year in his contract. And they drafted Jim Plunkett right. as leverage. And he refused. He was not going to sign his option. So he didn't play. He never played pro football again. And he sued the NFL, uh, antitrust suit, which he won four years later. <laughs> and the jury gave him no damages. <laughs> this is like the, it's like the um, USFL suit. You know, the USFL sued the NFL for antitrust violation. One, they won the case right? and they got one dollar, which was yeah, tripl yeah. tripled under the under the terms <laughs> yeah. of the um, uh, plus yeah. interest. So they got like a check yeah. for three three dollars and forty cents. Brilliant stuff. Fine. Mike at Carlson Sports is how you follow the big man on Twitter. Patreon.com forward slash Mike Carlson FMTE back on these shows very soon. Carlson, look after yourself. Have a great weekend. We're sending yeah. off the roofers. Yeah, I, I suppose the Irish whiskey may actually flow a little bit actually yeah, i'm staying in a hotel not far from the tealing distillery it might be time oh, for, out. Uh, yeah although as my girlfriend said i do not want to be going around dublin with american tourists <laughs> <laughs> she's oh, irish she's sharper <laughs> than you mate um everybody is yeah well that's a fair point enjoy bud check it soon yeah, thanks mate Podcast Network.